Good morning. It's so good to be here with you. As I was standing there singing and worshiping, I could just sense God's spirit whispering to me, each one of these people is so precious here. I want you to know I count it a great privilege to stand before you and look into God's word together with you. There is nothing I would be more honored to do than to look into God's word with you this morning. So would you turn with me to Luke chapter 15, Luke 15. This is two of Jesus' parables. Starts with the parable of the lost sheep in verse 1, and then we go on to the parable of the lost coin. Listen to God's word for us today. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain. Complain that he was associated with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Friends, this is God's word for us. Thank you, God. Thank you for coming to us over and over again and speaking to us today. We are listening for your voice. Amen. When I was a little girl, little, about maybe six years old, I remember very vividly one time going camping with my family on the coast of Maine. And I went off to find the bathroom or get water or something and got turned around and went the wrong way. And I could not find my way back to the campsite where my family was. I don't know if you've ever wandered around a campground, but all those twisty little roads look the same, especially to a child. And these ones all had mysterious nautical names. Like I remember we were staying on Bowline Knot. Now how's a six-year-old supposed to remember that? I just remember the terror of wandering and wandering and wandering and looking and thinking, why aren't my parents finding me? I've been gone a long time until I finally found my way back to them. Have you ever been lost? It's not a good feeling. Or have you ever lost someone 
parents or grandparents? Have you ever looked in a store or on the beach or in some public place to where you thought your child or grandchild was and they're not there? That's a terrible feeling in those Moments feel like hours until you can find them again. Jesus here tells us two stories of precious things that are lost. And he's in trouble, Jesus is, as he often is, we see in the Gospels. He's in the midst of another conflict. He's always getting himself into situations where people are angry at him or disappointed with him or misunderstand what he's getting at. These ver- this very first verse stops us in our tracks. Ver- chapter 15, verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus preach. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. There were a lot, these were a lot of people of doubtful reputation. People who were in trouble of their own making, people who had taken advantage of others and were hated for it. Interesting. Interesting that these were the people who loved to come listen to Jesus teach. I wish I could say the same thing for my teaching, for the teaching of this church and all churches. Wouldn't it be great if we were the favorite place for the broken and the lost, the notorious sinners, where they would love to come and feel truly welcome. I wonder what Jesus had that we may have lost touch with. That first verse stops me in my tracks. And verse 2 goes on to say that this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain. Oh, complaining. I bet Jesus loved that. They came to him and complained. Here again, Jesus is making people upset. We often think of Jesus as someone whom anyone, even someone who doesn't really agree with the claims of Christianity, that they would admire. We often hear non-religious people talk about Jesus as a great moral teacher, but he's controversial. And here, he's made the most important people in the room complain about him. So what are they complaining about? They are complaining that he is valuing and including the rough and dishonest and troubled and dirty people with them, which, and the Pharisees didn't think that that was the best thing to value, or those were the best people to value. Gregory the Great said, out of the dryness of their hearts, They blamed him, the fountain of compassion. They didn't get what Jesus was all about here. So Jesus tells them a story. Isn't it great that as they're complaining to him, he tells them a story to help change their hearts and minds. Verse verse 3 says, So Jesus told them this story. And the story goes this way. If a man has a hundred sheep and loses one, maybe a nice cute one like that. If a man has a hundred sheep and loses one, what will he do? That's the question Jesus poses. And then we're supposed to ponder. If a man has a hundred sheep and loses one, what will he do? 
if one sheep gets lost, one out of a hundred, does it matter? What will he do? Does it matter that one sheep gets lost? Do lost sheep matter? Jesus seems to be asking here. And of course he's not talking about sheep, we know. He's talking about people, right? Jesus tells this story to help the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who thought that some people were really just basically too bad to follow Jesus, that there was really no hope for them. We could probably make a short list in our own heads, each of us, of people that we think are like the least likely ever to give their lives to Christ, the least likely ever to become Christians. And we, it's easy for us to sort of put them in that category of hopeless causes. Or maybe our problem is the opposite of the Pharisees. Maybe we don't think people are too bad to be saved, but we think they're too good. Like, they're fine without Jesus. Maybe we don't even want to talk about people being lost. I mean, come on, that's not a fashionable thing to talk about in our day and age, lost people. It sounds so insulting, doesn't it? So patronizing, so, so narrow-minded. And yet here we are faced with Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can't work our way around that. But that's good news. That is good news because it means that God has provided a way for everyone, anyone who will come to him to be saved. He has made the way for all people. So without him, we're all lost. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? And if we do, what will we do about it? If a man has a hundred sheep, Jesus says, and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Is just one out of a hundred worth going out to look for? I mean, 99%, that's pretty good, don't you think? If I was in high school and I got 99% on all my tests, I'd probably be valedictorian. If I did 99% of my work successfully in my job, my boss would probably be really happy with me. 99%? That's good enough, isn't it? We see in the next story Jesus tells, he, uh, he changes the percentages a little bit. The woman has 10 coins and loses one. She still has 90%. That's pretty good, isn't it? And then the next parable that we didn't read is the parable of the two sons. And one of them is the prodigal and goes away and is lost 50%. Is that good enough? In each of these parables, Jesus is ratcheting up the urgency, the urgency to find the one who's lost. First one in a hundred is lost. Then one in ten is lost. Then one in two is lost. What about us? What will we do? According to a uh, statistic in the Association of Religion Data Archives, the percentage of the U.S. population who claims some kind of Christian adherence, or adherence to some Christian group, in 2010 was just under 49%. Just under 49% of our neighbors 
claim some kind of connection to Christianity. By some measures, on an average Sunday, in western New York, 85% of our neighbors are not in church anywhere. 85%. What will we do? So many lost people. So if a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Look at what Jesus says. He goes on and tells this story. What will he do? He says, won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and wait? That stopped me right there. Wait. Won't he leave the other 99 others in the wilderness? He leaves the 99 in the wilderness? Shouldn't he leave them in the barn where they're safe? (laughs) Or at least take the time to build them a nice enclosure, a sheepfold to be in? But it says he leaves them in the wilderness. He leaves the 99 in the wilderness. That's where the coyotes live, in the wilderness. He doesn't even take the time to build them a safe enclosure. He goes out and seeks for the one that's lost. This says so much about how much this man values that one lost sheep. And the next parable, the woman who loses the coin, she lights a lamp and she sweeps the whole house. Have you ever been in a room where everything is being swept, like when you sweep your garage? You you need like a gas mask, don't you? It gets in your eyes and your nose and your mouth and it upsets everything. You have to move everything. It all gets dusty. You need one of those signs that says, pardon our dust, because it just upsets everything. Are we willing to get dusty and dirty and upset the quiet beauty of our house to find the lost? Jesus seems to be asking So what's Jesus saying here? He's telling us that God is like that man who thinks that a lost sheep is worth looking for. He's telling us that God is like that woman who thinks a lost coin is worth looking for. Jesus is teaching us that God values people so much that he searches for those who are lost and separated from him. In fact, Jesus' own mission statement for his life He says in Luke 19.10, he says this, For I came to seek and save what was lost. To seek and save what was lost. So if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Seek and save what was lost. We are taking a good, hard look as a church about what we will do in response to Jesus' question. What will we do? What will we do together as a church in 2014 and beyond? Where is God leading us? What will we do in this place at this time? with these people and these resources, with these neighbors and opportunities and challenges in the power of the Holy Spirit, what will we do? We will sail. We will sail. We will listen to God's voice and we will seek Jesus, activate your faith, invest in God's mission, 
and love completely. Sale says, we are going to be disciples who make disciples. We're not just going to be believers, but we're going to act on our belief and really live it out fully and help others be disciples as well. This is nothing new. This is as old as the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And by the way, if you ever hear a church or discover a church or a part of a church that says they've discovered something new about Christianity that nobody has ever figured out before, watch out. Watch out. That's where things go off the rails. This is the old, old story. He's put it all in here for us already. Lost people matter to God. Sale is nothing new, but it's a fresh look and a fresh focus on living the whole life that Jesus called us to live and making sure we're not leaving out parts of that whole life. And our first step, our first part of this, the S in sale, is to seek Jesus. To seek Jesus. We want people to know that Jesus is seeking them because our seeking always starts with him seeking us first. That's grace, and we live by grace. Our first step is to seek Jesus because we don't want to leave that to chance. We want our hearts to reflect the heart of God who cares so much for that lost sheep, for that lost coin, for that lost child. So we will be building into our life together some more tools to use to share our faith and to help people seek Jesus. We'll be shining up some old tools that have really been a great part of our life together as this church and putting them to use again. We'll create some new tools and put them in your hands with some training. We will open up new doors into the life of the church to help people come in and experience Jesus and become part of the church. New doors to get in there. For example, the Alpha Course is one that we've already begun to plan. The Alpha Course is a basic uh, course on the Christian faith for people who are interested in the big questions in life and wonder, what might Christianity have to say about those, the deeper meanings of life? It's structured very simply and very wonderfully around eating a meal together and then watching a talk about some of the the basic Christian beliefs, like why did Jesus have to die? How does prayer work? What about bad things that happen in the world? And then people sit around in small groups and, and just ask questions and discuss it, and every question is welcome, and people are allowed to come and bring their doubts and their fears and become part of a real caring community. If that sounds like something that you would be interested in helping to make happen here, find that red box in your bulletin and write your name and write alpha and we will get you connected with that. Some of you have another little tool in your bulletin this morning. Not everybody has this. Some of you look in your bulletin and see if you've got a little card that looks like this. It's called the cross in my pocket. And This is a tool that can help you share your faith. Now, not all of you have this, so if you have a couple of these, 
would you keep one? And would you find a couple neighbors who don't have one and, and give them one of these? You can do that while I talk. You're allowed to even get up and move. So find a neighbor who doesn't have one and, and hand them one of these. You'll see on this card there's a cross with a bunch of neat little symbols on it. And these symbols are meant to make you go, huh, what does that mean? Or when you have this sitting on your desk or someplace where somebody can see it, that they'll walk up and say, what are those funny symbols on this cross? They're the same ones that are on that one there. These little symbols that explains on the back tell the story of salvation, that God came down into this world and that he was crucified on a cross he was buried in a tomb. The third day he rose from the dead and that someday he will come again. And it gives you the perfect opportunity to share the good news with a curious person. So keep this. Keep it someplace where somebody might see it and start a conversation. It's just one little tool. And there's more to come because lost people matter to God. So they matter to us. So what happens when that lost sheep is found, when that lost coin is found? Well, Jesus tells us that that's when the party gets started. The neighbors get invited over. The pizza and wings and root beer floats get broken out. The music gets cranked up. The fireworks start up in the sky. Jesus says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who were righteous and did not stray away. Wow. More joy in heaven. In his book, Just Like Jesus, Max Lucado puts it this way, let one child consent to be dressed in righteousness and begin the journey home, and heaven pours the punch, strings the streamers, and throws the confetti. When a soul is saved, the heart of Jesus becomes the night sky on the 4th of July, radiant with explosions of cheer. Wow, that is joy. There is more joy, Jesus says, over one who is saved than the 99 who stayed behind because they were already safely in his care. What gives us joy as a church? What are we really rejoicing about? What really gets us fired up and throwing the confetti? Are we rejoicing more about what goes on outside the fold or inside the fold? Do our hearts reflect the joy that God has? Does our rejoicing mirror what's happening in heaven? That's what Seek Jesus in Sale is all about. It's having our hearts aligned with the heart of God and planning and arranging what we do as a church to reflect that so we don't miss out so we don't miss out. This promise of a God who hunts for people, who seeks and saves the lost, isn't just for folks in Jesus' time, and it's 
just for what we will do sometime in the future. It's right here. It's right now. It's for all of us sitting in this room. If you have never given your life to Christ and made him the leader of your life, then let me tell you something. The music is waiting to be cranked up in heaven. The angelic choir is standing and waiting. The fireworks in heaven are ready to be lit, waiting to celebrate you. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. This is good news for all of us. Anne Lamott, in her biography, Traveling Mercies, that tells her story of coming to Jesus, tells about her pastor, Veronica, who told this story. She said when she was about seven, her best friend got lost one day. The little girl ran up and down the streets of the large town where they lived, but she couldn't find her way home. She couldn't find a single landmark, and she was really frightened. Finally, a policeman came and found her and stopped her and helped her. He put her in the passenger seat of his car, and they drove around until she finally saw her church. She pointed it out to the policeman, and then she told him firmly, you can let me out now. That's my church, and I can always find my way home from my church. No matter how lost or lonely or frightened they are, from Bemis Point United Methodist Church, may people always be able to find their way home. That's what we're all about. Let's pray together. God, we're amazed and we're humbled at your great love, your love that never gives up on us, never gives up on anyone, no matter how far away or lost. God, give us hearts like yours. We cannot generate that kind of love and mercy on our own, but we know you're longing to give us those gifts. And Lord, we pray that you would make us as people, each of us, a signpost that points people home to you, that we would be a church that is a signpost that points people home to you, that we would... Rejoice in nothing more fully than the way we rejoice with your angels in heaven when a sinner repents and comes to you. Give us your heart, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.